Welcome to the Supernatural Cast, a podcast dedicated to rewatching Supernatural from the CW. Hello, welcome back to the Supernatural Cast with Jimmy and Georgia. I'm your host, Jimmy and Georgia, and it's been a while, um, actually a week, since the last episode was posted, and for the majority of that time, I have been sick in a world where I've been sick for a week. My voice sounds really funny. I've had some sort of cold or something, whatever. Uh, I'm feeling better, still haven't got over that completely. I feel like my voice still sounds a little funny, still coughing here and there, so... Excuse me if you notice anything too strange during the episode. Uh, we are back for episode number five, and we're going to be discussing Bloody Mary. Definitely one of the good early episodes of Supernatural. And there'll be some more coming up soon on the rewatch that I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed Asylum, enjoyed Scarecrow. Um, heck, I enjoyed most of them. Obviously, I'm a pretty big fan of Supernatural, so um, there are definitely a few highlights there. But this episode, definitely, I guess, as far as guest stars and things, reactions go... Um, we do have the return of Jessica and, and Adrian Palacki, and uh, that's pretty important, especially with Sam's development. We'll talk more about that as we get into the recap in uh, Supernatural 5. And we definitely see more about the brothers' relationship and how they are there for each other. They'll die for each other, but they're still not honest with each other. Secrets are everywhere in this episode. That is kind of one of the key themes of this episode, and definitely we'll be discussing that more as we go through this um, episode here tonight definitely had a lot of um, influences from the ring it seemed like in this episode with the Bloody Mary figure how she looked how she moved and some of those things but I'm sure we'll talk about that in pop culture segment and one thing before we get going we're gonna have a word from our fake sponsor I'm a big fan of, of Steve Glosson's podcast you may be aware of those maybe you're not and if you're not you should be because if you're listening to my podcast, you should probably stop right now and go listen to Steve's instead. <laughs> he has, most famously, I guess, The Geek Out Loud. And he also has what well, used to be an actual radio show here in Georgia called The Big Honking Show. And uh, both of his shows are positive. They're funny. They're kind of geeky, obviously. The name of the one was Geek Out Loud. Now he does that with his good friend, um, Derek Russell. And then also with The Big Honking Show, he does that with Buck Thompson, a guy I know from college. And so, uh, that's cool for me. But anyway, I've created a couple of fake commercials for their show. And so these probably aren't going to be funny to you, but I don't know. I figured I made them. I might as well play them somewhere. So I'm going to stick those in here randomly throughout the next few episodes just for fun. And then maybe if I get inspired, I might make some fake Supernatural cast commercials. I just haven't had any um, real good inspiration just yet. But anyway, we're going to start up the first one with something we've learned on Supernatural is not real. Spoiler alert, just in case you don't know this already, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, is not real according to Supernatural, but we have a uh, little commercial I made for the Big Honkin' Show, and we're going to play that right now. Are you fed up with those annoying Bigfoot? This thing was ten foot tall. He had beautiful hair. Just thought he was going to kill my little guy. Save time and money with Sasquatch Stick. The Sasquatch Stick is a revolutionary device that rids your property of those problem Bigfoot. I come out here... And rough talk him and run him off. Our product's been successfully used by tens of thousands of people and been positively reviewed on nationwide news programs. I go up here, this stick, he was standing right there, and I said, get away from here. Get. 
Shit. If you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get your money back guaranteed. Works on most mythic beasts, real or imagined. And you went right back at that path again. Others may cost you $100, but for four easy payments of $19.95, this Sasquatch chick can be yours. Limited time offer, not available in stores. Anyway, that was my silly little commercial for the Sasquatch stick. And just randomly, that guy talking there, his name is Tim Peeler, and he claims he saw Bigfoot. And you can search a video for him on YouTube and look up like Tim Peeler, Bigfoot, or something like that. And uh, you can see him, and that's how he talks. He was 10 foot tall. He had beautiful hair. And so it's one of the bits they did on the Big Honkin' Show that I really enjoyed, so I made a little commercial for him. But anyway, we're going to get moving forward with our show just for fun. And we're going to jump into our Supernatural Recap. Supernatural Recap. All right. And there's one thing I I, I thought about doing. I haven't done it yet. Maybe I'll do it next week. As far as the ratings and stuff go, I haven't really talked about how that goes. I know, generally speaking, as the seasons have gone on, it's kind of gone down. And I think some of that's due in part to the fact that Smallville is now gone, especially this season. I think the ratings are down this season mostly because of that. Because Smallville, as far as I I went, I watched 10 seasons of Smallville before I watched one full episode of Supernatural. So me, I, I never got on the Supernatural bandwagon back when I should have. And I'm sure there's lots of others just like me who did watch Smallville who haven't watched Supernatural. And now that Smallville's gone, there's not that lead-in on top of that. So I think that's part of the problem. Anyway, we're gonna we're gonna talk more about ratings. I think starting next episode, um, just just because we can, it's, the information's out there. But, <laughs> but anyway, Bloody Mary originally aired back in October the 11th, 2005, and it was a story by Eric Kripke, directed by Peter Ellis. And we're gonna keep with our um, idea from last week of going with the chapter functions in the menu on the DVD or the Blu-ray. Chapter one is called Reflections. And we open up with a previously on, as we pretty much always do. But then we find out we're in Toledo, Ohio. And there's three teenage girls, maybe tween girls. They're pretty young, maybe 12-year-olds or something, playing Truth or Dare. And one of the girls chooses Dare. And we find out a little bit later on. Her name's Lily. And she has to go into the bathroom and say Bloody Mary three times. And um, she does. Nothing happens to her. But her dad is killed upstairs Blah, buddy, Mary. And then um, Lily's older sister, Donna, comes home and finds him dead with lots and lots of blood on the floor. Going on into Chapter 2, and it's called Hidden Messages. And in this one, it starts off with Sam's nightmares about Jessica, and we hear her asking, why Sam? Dean wakes him up and continues the whole thing through the first few episodes of his nightmares, if not getting sleep. Um, They are in Toledo, Ohio, and they are there to investigate Mr. Shoemaker's death. They go to the morgue, room number 144, and they go in to try to examine the body, posing as Ohio State students. And the guy's really not buying it, so Sam ends up giving away Dean's poker money to get back to the body. And they find out that Mr. Shoemaker's eyes basically were liquefied. They don't really know what the thing that caused the death was. Maybe a stroke, maybe aneurysm. But there was intense cerebral bleeding. And this, this morgue worker had never seen anything like that. They give the guy a little more money and are able to look at the police report. And then uh, they mention how pretty much almost never have, have they investigated something that was a freak medical thing. It's almost always been some evil supernatural thing. So that's their theories anyway. <laughs> they are able to go and sneak into like the wake or the funeral. They're having some people over with food and stuff. And they talk to Donna about what happened. There was no symptoms of anything medical that would have went on. Lily says it happened because of her, because of Bloody Mary, 
and Dean reassures her, oh, it couldn't have been that unless he said it, basically. And then the guys go back to the inside the house. They're looking for some kind of evidence. And they say how their dad had never found any evidence that this Bloody Mary legend was, like, real. Um, they mentioned how kids play it all over the country. Nobody dies, as far as they know. And Dean says, well, maybe this is where that legend began, so maybe it's real here. So they're trying to figure out, you know, again, that's why the dad died. And then one of Donna's friends, Charlie, is real suspicious. Kind of ask him some questions. And um, basically they explain they want they want to find out what happened, make sure it doesn't happen to anybody else. The guys go down to the library looking for proof. Because Sam says there's like 50 different versions of the story. But the only really things that are in common is the lady named Mary. And she died in front of a mirror. They want to look at newspaper and public records. But the computers are out of order. And we see Donna is talking with her friend Jill on the phone. She jokes about Bloody Mary. Eventually going into the bathroom saying the name three times as a joke. She screams. She's not hurt or anything. But then after she hangs up, Bloody Mary is seen in several of the mirrors and the TV in her room. And eventually kills her but before she does the reflection in the mirror actually comes to life so jill is talking to herself and it said you did it you killed that boy you know something like that sam is having nightmares again really a common theme here beginning of the show dean has been researching hasn't found anything he said he found a few local women who committed suicide from a mirror guy had a mirror fall on him charlie calls sam to tell them what happened to jill and she thinks she's going crazy but she's not. It's really happening. They're able to sneak into Jill's room with the help of Charlie. Jill said it was just a joke about her doing the Bloody Mary stuff. Sam sees something in one of the mirrors. Um, it looks like a iridescent light. Or I guess I don't know if that's the word. Black light. Like something you'd see under a black light. I don't know the word for what that light, what that means. Fluorescent paint or something. But anyway, they, they pull out a black light. And they find a handprint and a name on the back of the mirror. that says Carrie Bryman. Sam learns that Carrie was an eight-year-old boy who was killed in a hit-and-run two years ago by a Toyota Camry, a black one. And Jill drove that car, apparently, so she killed this boy. That was her secret. They go back to Donna's house, find a mirror with the handprint and the name of Linda Shoemaker. And so, basically, we learn that Mr. Shoemaker killed his wife, even though um, Donna says it was an overdose on sleeping pills that was an accident. Dean tries to do a nationwide search of someone who's died in front of a mirror. Because they do have this pattern, these people having secrets of people who've died. And then maybe this Mary is punishing these people. They find the case of Mary Worthington, um, who was murdered, and this murder still goes unsolved, over in Fort Wayne, Indiana. They were able to track down the detective who worked the case and uh, talk to him. This time they pose as reporters. And maybe I should start a new section of the show based on uh, <laughs> their fake identities or something. I don't know. That would, <laughs> they definitely have enough of them. Um, and they have information about Mary, how she was 19. She lived alone. She was a beauty contestant winner. She wanted to get out of Indiana. She wanted to be an actress. And that on March 29th, someone broke in and killed her and cut out her eyes with a knife, which is kind of gross. The detective has a copy of the file, and he thinks that the killer was a local surgeon named Trevor Sampson. In her diary, she mentioned her, like, lover, I guess, uh, but only mentioned him as a letter T. And in her diary, she said she was going to tell his wife about the affair. However, at this point, the doctor is dead and Mary's been cremated. And so I'm assuming the guys were asking about where her body was so she they could, could salt and burn her, which still hasn't worked yet, as far as episode 5 goes. <laughs> and the detective said that the mirror was returned to her family. So Donna and Charlie are in the school bathroom. Donna thinks that Charlie's crazy for believing all this junk. Donna says, Bloody Mary three times in the bathroom mirror and nothing happens. 
But as Charlie is walking down the hallway, we see Bloody Mary's reflection in a few of the windows. All right, chapter three on the DVD menu, Antique Store. In a world where Charlie sees Bloody Mary in a compact mirror and on a window and in her teacher's glasses. I'm not really sure how she would have escaped the school at this point. She does. Well, we see her soon. Um, <laughs> but she does. I don't know. I'm being silly. But Sam talks with Mr. Worthington and says that they no longer have the mirror. We hear some music playing in the background. Death Leopard, to be exact. And the mirror was sold to a store in Toledo just one week ago. And so their theory is where the mirror goes, that's where Mary goes. Um, there is an old superstition about mirrors capturing spirits, which is why mirrors used to be covered in houses when someone died, so the spirits wouldn't be captured. So Dean's new theory is to find the source mirror. If they can find it and smash it, he thinks that might end this reign of terror. Charlie calls Sam, and next thing we see is Sam and Dean covering every reflective surface in, I guess, their hotel room. And they talk with Charlie, telling her to sit still, you know, make sure she doesn't get around anything with a reflection. And so Dean asked her what happened, looking for this secret thing that you know, was going on. And Charlie tells him that she had a boyfriend and that he was kind of scary. She broke up with him, and he basically said, if you leave, I'll kill myself. She said, go ahead and do it. And apparently she left, and he died, and he killed himself. So she blames herself for that. On the way to the antique store, Dean and Sam talk about Charlie's situation. And basically Sam says she had a secret. Someone died. That's all the spirit needs. It doesn't see anything other than black and white. And that he thinks he can summon her in front of the mirror and smash it. And uh, Dean quickly figures out because of Jessica. And that this whole deal is going to kill him is what, what Dean says if he doesn't stop. And not, not referring to Bloody Mary, but the whole thing of blaming himself with Jessica and nightmares and not getting to sleep and all those things. Dean does not know all about what happened. Sam won't tell him. And he still doesn't later on, we find out as well. So Sam here says he wants to save Charlie and all the other people who might die later on. Which makes me think of something I'll mention in the spoiler section because I don't want to spoil you. But uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Anyway, Sam and Dean make it to Toledo and they start looking around the antique store for the mirror. And Sam finds it and he says the magic words. Alright, we're up to chapter 4, which is Through the Looking Glass. And we'll talk about that in their pop culture section, I'm sure. Okay, a bright light fills the front part of the store. Dean goes to check it out. It's the police outside, or maybe a security team, perhaps. It doesn't actually show them. It's definitely some men in a car with, you know, uniforms and stuff. So it could be some sort of security, but it could be police either way. Mary shows up in some mirrors just before Dean goes outside. Dean says it's a false alarm. He tripped the system, blah, blah, blah. And the cops really aren't buying that. Sam starts smashing mirrors. His reflection comes to life and starts to talk to him as his eyes start bleeding. And it says it's his fault. He killed her. He killed Jessica. And then Dean doesn't have time for the cops, so he knocks those guys out. Bloody Mary keeps talking to Sam about his nightmares of Jessica screaming and burning and dying before it happened. Before it happened. I'll repeat that. Sam just wanted to be normal. The thing keeps going on and on and on. And um, basically, as the, the little spirit is ranting at Sam... Dean comes in and breaks the mirror, and Bloody Mary disappears. Dean helps him up. They start to walk away, but then Bloody Mary crawls out of the frame. Ring very much right here. She starts putting some bad mojo on both of the guys, which I find to be interesting a little bit. We'll talk about that. And Dean grabs a mirror, shows it to her, and basically the evil that is Bloody Mary consumes her as well, which gives me a theory here about that a little bit. And I guess I'll just say it. Like, I don't think 
she's the first or the last Bloody Mary. She is just one of many, probably. She just happens to be one that's real in this particular case. Because I don't think I don't think she could have destroyed herself had it been just of herself. I think it is something larger than herself. But anyway, that was my little thought about that. My Dean quote of the week right here we'll get to later on in the show. And then the show is about to wrap up in chapter five. Everything's wrapped up nice and neat. The boys drop off Charlie at home because this little situation's over. Sam has definitely made a breakthrough, and he tells her that she needs to try to forgive herself, and no matter what she did, she probably couldn't have stopped what happened because bad things just happen sometimes. We hear some Rolling Stones in the background, and Sam still will not tell Dean the secret because he says there's some things he just has to keep to himself. And then Sam sees a ghostly figure of his girl, his dead girlfriend, on the side of the road, and she disappears. But, I mean, I guess it's different because she's not burning and screaming and writhing and stuff she's just chilling out so that's a good sign and uh, that's going to wrap up our supernatural recap for bloody mary and we're going to move over into our top five moments of supernatural supernatural five we'll count down the top five pivotal moments of this week's episode all right number five on my list the shoemaker's play Bloody Mary, I guess would be number five. Lily calls upon the evil spirit that is Bloody Mary and her dad who killed their mom is killed by Bloody Mary which starts off our whole episode, gets everything moving, definitely an important part of the show leads the guys to Toledo to um, to investigate this whole situation and I don't know, it's funny, okay like this, how, you know, this is just a normal teenage maybe tween kind of thing to just play silly games and tricks on each other and whatever. And this time it turns deadly. And it is weird that it happened to the dad, not to the girl. Um, but again, the girl didn't have, you know, in this case, how this particular spirit works, the girl didn't have an evil speaker of killing someone, but the dad did. And I guess it's just how it works. But, you know, with that theory in mind, just thought, throwing this out there for you, if there was anyone else in the school... I don't know how, how big of a radius this goes, but if there's anyone else in the school or in the vicinity of that bathroom, it seems like they would have died too. Uh, I assume they didn't, but, you know, the house, the little girl's downstairs, dad's upstairs, it worked on him, so it definitely traveled over a distance. So, who knows? It definitely affected Charlie when Donna said it, and I don't know, I think that's kind of strange. It makes sense based on their rules, but I, I do think that's kind of strange just as Dean thought it was early on in the episode when he was talking with Lily. All right, number four on my list of the top five moments of this episode is the fact that Charlie, although suspicious at first, helps Sam and Dean with their investigation after her friend Lily dies. And that definitely played an important role of them getting into Lily's house and um, definitely helped her out a lot by the fact that she was hanging out with them and they saved her life. So I think that's important. I think I think Charlie is another one of those examples of of a good female character. Maybe not the best acted, honestly, but she she is able to deal with the crazy stuff pretty well. You know, like you'd think most people would just freak out about this stuff and wouldn't believe it and whatever, but she actually deals with this stuff pretty well overall. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. So good stuff with Charlie. Okay, number three on my list of the top five moments of the episode. They were able to track down whom they think is Bloody Mary over in Indiana and actually speak with a detective who investigated the murder. 
which gave them lots of details about what was going on, which was very helpful. Um, so the detective over there in Fort Wayne gave them lots of clues and good information just as far as, you know, the body's been cremated. The the person she was trying to get vengeance against has been is already dead, not necessarily killed by her, but dead. And then the only lead from there, which is, you know, really important for this episode, is the mirror and where it went after that. So definitely an important, you know, lynch pin in the show there. All right, that was number three. Number two, they are able to destroy Mary by finding her mirror in the antique store and they draw her out by Sam calling her, and we, we've already talked about that. And, you know, we know we know part of Sam's secret. We didn't know the full secret. The secret was Sam was having premonitions. He was having psychic visions of Jessica dying before it happened. He didn't warn her. He didn't tell her anything. He left her alone, which is why he feels even more guilty. And I honestly relate this to um, Star Wars, because I'm a big Star Wars fan, and how... Anakin, and especially Revenge of the Sith, spoiler alert, by the way, is having these visions of his wife, his secret wife, Padme's death, which drives him to the dark side, not because he's evil, but because he wants to hold on to his, his loved ones. Um, the similar thing happened to him, which already really was one of the first things that really turned him to the towards the dark side, was when he was having visions of his mother dying, and he did not go to her. He did not go to help her, and um, she did die, and he killed the sand people. He could have saved her had he listened to his visions. However, in the second case, Anakin actually was responsible for the death of his wife by breaking her heart, much less choking her out while she was pregnant and throwing her on the ground. But, yeah. So here, Sam, in a similar situation, was having these visions, these nightmares of Jessica being burned and whatever. And I could see how Sam, who knows what happened to his mom, he didn't see it like, or he did, he was a baby, he wouldn't remember it, but um, he didn't see it like like John saw it, but he knows how his mom was killed on the ceiling, on fire. And so maybe he, he would just think, oh, I'm having a nightmare because that's how my mom died. He probably didn't really assess it as this is what's going to happen to my my girlfriend. He was just like, oh, it's a bad nightmare, which I can understand. Why would you, I mean, why would you expect it to be true if you've never had the experience of it coming true? So I don't blame Sam for that, but he definitely feels guilty because of that, which is, you know, dri- driving these continued nightmares and this lack of sleep and guiltiness and all these other things that have been going on the last however much time has passed in these first five episodes, which is hard to tell sometimes, I think. Number one on my list, definitely, is the fact that Sam, through the evil Bloody Mary speech, is able to kind of move forward with his guilt and whatnot, but he's still keeping his secrets. He's he's able to kind of deal with the fact that, you know what, Jessica's death happened, there's really probably nothing he could have done to have stopped it, and um, just as he encourages Charlie to try to forgive herself, he's trying to forgive himself. And I uh, definitely think we see a sign of that when we see Jessica on the side of the road, but he's still not sharing with Dean what happened. And that, I think that goes back to the fact that some of the other things that Bloody Mary said to him, one of the things Bloody Mary said to him was that he just wanted to be normal, which is like there's really two um, themes for Sam for, for a long time in the show, one of which is, I'm angry, and I want to kill the thing that killed my my girlfriend. Um, And that kind of goes on. I mean, that doesn't really go away, I don't think. 
you know, even though he's the nice guy, even though he's the sweet one with the doe eyes, he has that anger and stuff in him. And then uh, the other thing is he wants to be normal, and he's not normal. And as we go forward from here, um, and this really being the kind of the foundation in that, we see how not normal he is, and it gets progressively not normal. And that um, kind of really, I mean, especially through the first three to five years, probably the first five years, I guess, really is one of Sam's biggest struggles, and he wants to be normal, and he's not. And he, and again, the kind of a secondary part of that is he doesn't want to tell Dean what's going on because he's not normal because of the things that are going on. So I don't want to talk about that right here, but we can switch on over to our spoiler section where we can talk about a few of those things in a little bit more detail. So we won't spoil you out there if you haven't seen you know, future episodes of Supernatural, if you're legitimately only on episode five or whatever, um, you know, you probably want to skip ahead or maybe not. I knew about several of the things going on in Supernatural before I ever started watching it just because you hear about stuff if you're on, if you listen to podcasts and stuff. So anyway, if you don't want to be spoiled, I'd say skip ahead to the next chapter. We have the chapter function here where you can do that. Uh, I don't know how long that'll be, but if you have a device that's capable of reading the enhanced podcast, you know, iPhone, iPad, iTunes, you can do that. And I don't know if like Zoom marketplace or, you know, other stuff like that has a chapter function. Um, I know all the Apple stuff I use doesn't, Spoiler section, last warning right here. Here we go. All right, well, with Sam, <laughs> we talked about it briefly in the spoiler section last week, how he was uh, given demon blood by Azazel, the yellow-eyed demon that we, we learn more and more about as the show goes on for here for a little while. And I think we learned his name the first, was it the first episode of season two, perhaps? I don't remember, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later, I'm sure. But anyway, we know that he's, later on, we find out he's been poisoned with his demon blood, which is kind of, corrupted him there's a whole crop of these um, psychic kids that are out there that Azazel wants to use to lead his um, demons basically you know, we talked about demons that are very important in this overarching arc of the show and here we definitely see those, those things with Sam where he wants to be normal and as he, he becomes progressively more demon blood charged and uh, doing secretive things whether it be drinking demon blood or or using his mojo to kill demons or having psychic visions or whatever. He has these different things that go on, you know, over the course of time. He just doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't want to share those things. And we have later, much later on, we have the episode where they go back to their high school, um, an after school special, I think it's the name of that one. And we see even then he just wanted to be normal and he never has been normal just because of the life they live. And, um, yeah, that's definitely one of his biggest struggles, I think. And then with the premonitions, we definitely see the kind of the beginning, the early stages of his psychic phenomenon. And we meet several other um, young people that have that capability. And then eventually they are taken away to that, you know, town. I think it was in Colorado or somewhere. Out. You know, they're basically put out there to have a fight for the death to see who's going to lead the Azazel's little group of demons. So, I mean, it's <laughs> crazy stuff that happens. And some of those people use their powers for good, some for evil, but... They're all influenced by this demon blood, so it's just weird. One thing, too, in this episode, okay, Bloody Mary was getting people that had secrets who um, who had killed somebody or or, the, or at least were involved in some situation where someone died. Necessarily not, maybe not necessarily killed them. Like, Charlie didn't actually physically kill her ex-boyfriend. He did that himself, but she was connected to that death. What did Sam... Okay, Sam had Jessica. What did Dean do? She was totally about to kill Dean. His eyes were bleeding. Like, I honestly don't remember. 
I'm sure there's lots of stuff that Dean's done over the years. I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. I mean, I've, I've, like I said, I've watched through all these seasons, but I, I don't know right now. So if you know maybe what that was referring to, um, send that in. I would love to have that. And then next week we are going to be talking about Skin, which is another one of those really good episodes early on. I mean, this is a very strong first season, I think. And that one has a cast member from Falling Scouts on it. We'll talk about that more next week. I don't know. I guess that's about all right now for this little spoiler section. Nothing too crazy. All right, we're going to move on from here into our next section of the show. It's time for the Supernatural Travelogue. Well, all right, it is time for the Supernatural Travelogue, as a little segment music there said. And first up, we're going to talk about Toledo, Ohio, of course. That is um, the main focus of this episode. And Toledo, um, for one thing, I, I actually learned this from one of our listeners, um, Dan sent this in to us, and I also read it somewhere else this week as I was doing some research. Toledo is the home of Eric Kripke, and apparently, I think um, Dan said it's also the home of Adrian Palacki, so that's kind of cool. And then also, apparently, some of the names that were used of people there in Toledo are friends' names for Eric Kripke, so very cool stuff as far as all that goes. And um, we'll, we'll talk more about that, I guess, when we read the email from Dan a little bit later on. Cool stuff there. This city up in um, western... Northwest Ohio has actually been around since the mid-1830s and um, here recently has a population of almost 300,000 in the city and then 650,000 in the area. You know how that goes. And um, one thing I honestly know of Toledo growing up, um, if you, this is really kind of a pop culture reference, I guess, but growing up, I believe that was the home of Klinger on MASH was Toledo. That's just one of those random things. I'm pretty sure that was right. I may be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that was the That's one thing I knew about. I honestly, don't, I'm not that familiar with the city and what goes on there. But it is there near Michigan, and it's also right there close to Lake Erie. Actually connected to Lake Erie and the Erie Canal. So that's kind of a fun fact, I guess. <laughs> um, but anyway, I do think it's cool that Kripke and Palaki are from there and that. Now we're going to move on over to Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is, um, I'll look this up just for reference points apparently around a hundred miles away from toledo ohio and you travel on highway 24 between the two cities to get there and uh, thanks to google maps <laughs> it says it takes about two hours and 12 minutes but it's only 100 miles so it could be less than that quite honestly depending on the speed limits and how fast you drive and such as that and knowing dean he probably does not obey the speed limit so i think it'd probably take him a little over an hour to get there probably maybe an hour and 20 minutes but anyway it wasn't that far of a drive to go talk to that detective if it was real uh fort Wayne is a similarly sized city it's got around 250,000 people in its population and it's just 18 miles west of the ohio border and it's just 50 miles south of the michigan border so it's kind of you know close by there again and actually it started off as a fort as literally a fort as in the u.s army fort back in the 1700s and it was named after general mad anthony wayne it was established as a trading post for early settlers and apparently around 30 years later became more of a village but uh anyway that that's kind of some background there and like i said it's around 100 miles away from toledo ohio and um i don't know that anyone from the show was from there it's possible you never know Maybe Eric Kripke has some buddies in, in Fort Wayne as well. Who knows? 
Okay, this week we did have two real-life locations, which is always good. And like I said, we kind of fluctuate on that as real-life locations, fake locations. Um, and so good, good news that this week's locations are real, and you can go there if you'd like. All right, we're going to move into our next section, which doesn't have quite as many things to talk about this week. Um, one, basically, in our folklore mythology section, as we discuss Bloody Mary. This week in folklore and mythology. All right, well, we've probably all heard the story or the game or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I do think it's interesting. They gave us lots of details within the show of their universe's version of it, how there's at least 50 different variations, and sometimes Bloody Mary's a witch. Sometimes it's a lady who was murdered. Sometimes it was a lady who was a car, like in a car accident or something. Um, there's all sorts of everything. According to English folklore, she's either a ghost or a witch and is just supposed to be in a, a it doesn't have to be a bathroom mirror. I think it's kind of what they were going with. But just um, it's supposed to appear in a mirror if you call her name three times in the dark. And then, depending on the version of the story or whatever, maybe different things might happen from there. But there's all sorts of different versions of this out there. And you can, you can kind of go search for them and find some of them. There's stuff about maybe someone who killed their kid, somebody who's insane, someone who's even Bloody Mary as in Queen Mary the First, who's known as Bloody Mary who was responsible for lots of death, I guess. I don't know. And I don't know if this is legit or what, but there are stories of her actually um, having virgins murdered and her, like, bathing in their blood. And if that's true, that I could definitely see why they'd call her Bloody Mary. But I don't know. That's just weird stuff. One one variation of it was about a lady named Mary Worth, and it's supposed to be some sort of child murderer who lived in a local city because that's how urban legends work usually. Someone local happened, blah, 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 happened to your cousin or your whoever. Um, and there's you know maybe even a gravestone or, or maybe even like a graveyard or something that would come attached to it. And some of them don't even talk about death. It talks about how um, they might reveal your future somehow. So it's just weird pretty much. One thing I do remember kind of in a, uh, a similar thing, I guess you could say, like the movie Candyman that had Tony Todd in it, who's been in all sorts of stuff over the years, um, had a very similar thing where you say Candyman in the mirror three times and he would appear. Um, the movie Beetlejuice had Beetlejuice, 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 all sorts of stuff, who knows. But anyway, Bloody Mary is uh, one of those random legends. I don't even I don't know that anyone really knows where it started specifically. And it definitely would change and depend on who you ask about it and whatnot. And one thing I don't think I've mentioned on the show, just in general, I think it's kind of funny or, or whatever. Um, the movie Urban Legends, I think it was like 98 or something came out, had uh, had the guy from Smallville, Rosenbaum, Michael Rosenbaum, in it. And that was kind of, to me, it seems like that's kind of the type of thing that Eric Kripke was going for here, and except for it was all real. Spoiler alert, there was a murderer there using urban legends as a way of murdering people, not you know real urban legends being true. Um, and I, I guess they made several of those movies, but that definitely would be something that would uh, tie into all this. I mean, as far as this pop cultural things, but I guess this isn't the pop culture section. All right, we're going to move on into our next section, which is Supernatural and Pop Culture. Supernatural and Pop Culture. Alright, well, our biggest pop culture reference I would say this week is the fact that Bloody Mary looked like the lady from the ring, the little murdered girl from the well. 
But yeah, she looked like that. Um, I, was, I was reading a little thing here earlier, and Eric Kripke actually says, he said, I really love the monster in the mirror behind you. I thought that was really scary. We ended up making the mistake of making her look too much like the girl in the ring. But then the visual effects person, Ivan Hayden, actually says, we did talk about the speed ramping her and having her come out of, come out that way, but a lot of TV pays homages to the great. So if it's something people are liking, I say give it to them or whatever. And so special effects guy liked it. Apparently Eric Kripke had second thoughts later on. But hey, it's all good. Uh, it definitely looked like the ring, though. <laughs> okay, another pop culture reference here. We do have the boys. Sam and Dean mentioned Ohio State. And say there are med students there. And I guess that's technically not pop culture, but it's not exactly um, a travel log thing either. He talks about going back to Columbus and being a student there. Now, Ohio State, if you're familiar with college football anyways, pretty popular school with their program there, the Buckeyes. Never really been sure what a Buckeye is, personally. But they are part of the Big Ten Conference, and they're pretty good school, usually, as far as football goes. Um, the school's been around since 1873 over there in Columbus, Ohio. I guess they actually got that right this time versus some of the other things we've heard in recent episodes where they've messed things up a little bit. But, of course, Kripke's from the area, so that would help. One other uh, pop culture reference, I guess it's two in one, really. Um, they have the video camera out in night vision mode. Sam actually has it going, and Nadine is in the is being filmed and says, "Do I look like Paris Hilton?" And of course, Paris Hilton is the wannabe famous person who's famous for being famous. It's had TV shows and albums and stuff for really no reason. She's an heiress to the Hilton Hotel money, and like so many other people in Hollywood, are famous for nothing. I mean, really. I mean, I guess she's kind of a, a attractive lady in some degree or whatever. But and I'm sure he was referring to some video she's made in her life as a uh, an attempt to be famous. And I think I don't know, just as far as random stuff goes here, I think people in our society just want to be famous for for famous sake. Um, they don't really care why or how they're famous. And I think Paris Hilton got most of her notoriety mostly from performing sex acts while being recorded on a video, which was later sold to people. That's just pretty sad, quite honestly, I think. But it was a pop culture reference, so we talked about it. And we're moving on. Okay, well, there's one thing here, too. I, I, and I don't know if exactly. How, I haven't seen the movie. I don't know what the story is. But there is a story. Um, there's two movies that come to my mind. One from just the uh, previews and one from I actually have seen. Um, the movie Poltergeist has does have a scene. I think it's Poltergeist Two actually has a scene where the son and the and the family is in front of a mirror and like weird stuff starts happening to him in the mirror and then like his braces attack him or something. Uh, I do remember that. And then there was a movie a few years ago called Mirrors with Keith Sutherland. Haven't seen it, but I would just assume it had to be very similar to this whole situation where um, the evil spirit or whatever is in the mirror and the reflections and gets people. And uh, I think that movie came out after this particular episode. I may be wrong, but I think that's probably older than six, or newer than six years ago. I don't, I don't keep up exactly. But I, like I said, I haven't seen that one. But that just kind of reminded me of that a little bit. And I think that's about it. And honestly, with the pop culture stuff, I might miss stuff. I mean, I really could. I'm not saying I've caught every single thing. I just try to make note of the things they're talking about. Um, maybe the t-shirts they're wearing or something like that. And we'll get into the music stuff here in a minute. There's a couple of those. But um, definitely, if I miss something, send it in. I'd be, I'd be glad to have you. 
All right. Well, next up on the podcast, we have the driver picks the music. Driver picks the music. Well, that, my friends, was the end of my original recording that I had originally done back several days ago now for here, episode five. I had originally recorded this information on the 20th of October. Today is now the 26th of October. It is almost another entire full week um, since I last recorded. And uh, sadly enough, I have been crazy busy since then. Uh, the last weekend, I know I'm between <laughs> the driver picks the music section, but I'll go ahead and explain what's going on. Um, last weekend, my wife had two wedding cakes, a groom's cake and wedding photography to do with it, which I helped with as much as I could um, with all those things. We've had company over. I was still getting over my sickness. And we also went to see the Three Musketeers, um, apart from working full-time jobs and church things and whatever else. So, uh, yes, we've been quite busy. <sighs> and today is my first time to have any free time, I think, this week to record again. And so I am sorry that it's taking so long. And you know what? Um, I guess I shouldn't um, claim to think this is a weekly podcast anymore. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Hopefully we'll get better. But it's just been sporadic lately with my uh, time to record and things. And so anyway, we're going to get back into the episode here. Um, as it is now October the 26th and not over, not, oh, no longer October 20th. And this episode we had a few things that were featured. While the guys were driving around, we heard... Rock of Ages by Death Leopard, one of those great 80s bands. And we'll, we'll do a quick overview, and then we'll go back and talk about all three of the songs. We also heard Sugar, We're Going Down by Fall Out Boy. And I think it was near the end of the episode we heard Laugh, I Nearly Died, by none other than the Rolling Stones. So um, we're going to get into some conversation here about those three songs, those artists, and then we're going to move in into our feedback section and we're going to wrap it up with the Dean Quote of the Week. And we'll be moving on towards episode number six, which is Skin, which is a good one. And features um, Die from the Falling Sky. So, yeah. Woo-hoo. All right. We're, <laughs> we'll start off with Death Leopard and Rock of Ages. Okay. Death Leopard was one of those bands I grew up with, um, as I've mentioned before, with my brother who was nine years older than me. And as a young child in the 80s, I was introduced to all the, the greats, if you will, of the time. And Death Leopard was one of those. My personal favorite um, was not this particular album. Rock of Ages was featured on Pyromania. I believe it was the uh, I think it was 1987 album. I'd have to really do some more research real fast. But it was um, Hysteria. And that was the one that I had on cassette tape uh, I think on multiple occasions perhaps. That had a weird cover art. It's kind of futuristic with like a almost something out of a Tron kind of thing with faces that are kind of melded together. But it had several really popular songs, at least as, as far as Death Leopard goes. Pour Some Sugar on Me, probably being the most famous. Love Bites is a pretty famous one as well. But then there's several other songs like uh, Animal and I'm a Gadinette and stuff. So, yeah, they're, they're pretty popular in general. But this particular song featured in this um, particular episode was a song called Rock of Ages. And Rock of Ages is also a, uh, a hymn as far as the title goes, not the lyrics. <laughs> which is which is interesting. And this is a song, if, you, if you're not familiar, and that you've probably heard this somewhere. It starts off with like a German-like phrase. It's actually nonsense. This is Guten Glauben, Glatten Glauben. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just nonsense, actually. 
And the story goes that basically Mutt Lang, he's a pretty famous producer, used to count off the guys at one, two, three, four. And for some reason, this particular take, these made-up German-sounding words he used as nonsense. They liked it, and so they put it on the album, which is kind of funny. But anyway, there. I mean, it's just like any other thing. We could go into all kinds of stuff about um, records sold and all sorts of stuff, but... The, the song Rock of Ages was one of their big hits in America. It was like number 16 on the Billboard Top 100 and um, definitely one of those classic 80 Def Leppard songs. And one thing about Def Leppard that I always thought was awesome was um, they had a one-armed drummer. And I mean, I don't know, I'm sure maybe you know that. You probably do if you're familiar with some of the uh, the older rock bands such as this, but I always thought that was awesome and just how um, people can overcome adversity and do cool stuff. Be rock stars, <laughs> pretty much. But anyway, we're going to move on over to the Rolling Stones. And I know there's probably a lot of you out there who are just huge fans of the Rolling Stones, and they just love them and stuff. Honestly, not a fan of the Rolling Stones. There's, there's a few of their songs that I, I'm okay with, but I don't own any albums. I don't uh, really follow them. I don't know, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, just not really my thing. Not really. But, I mean, I, I would say there's a few songs that I like. But I don't have them. I don't own them. And not on my iPod or my iPhone or whatever. So, All right. This particular song, Laugh, I Nearly Died, was on an album called A Bigger Bang. Which actually was one of their more recent albums, apparently, um, from the last decade or so. And the album it looks to be available on Amazon MP3 download. But it's not showing any prices for individual tracks. Quite a few songs on this album, if you want to check it out. But um, this particular song, I honestly don't really know a lot about. Personally, like I said, I'm not a big Rolling Stones fan. I just know um, the album itself came out in 2005 on Virgin Records, and it was actually the 22nd British album, the 24th American studio album by the Rolling Stones. And this was apparently their first real studio recorded album in eight years. They had recorded one back in 1997 called Bridges to Babylon, and it was actually released as a double album on vinyl and on a single compact disc. And so that's just kind of interesting that even in 2005 they were releasing vinyls. I know I have a vinyl of um, a Reliant K CD mm -hmm, uh, <laughs> that came out a few years back, which I thought was kind of cool. It's actually clear vinyl. So I'm, I'm kind of a fan of Reliant K. I haven't checked them out as much the last few years, but I thought they were a fun little band. But anyway, yeah, that's all I want to say about that one, I guess. And last but not least is Fallout Boy with Sugar, We're Going Down. And again, not a big Fallout Boy fan here. Um, <laughs> this is another song that came out in 2005, which I guess at the time would have been kind of a current song um, for Supernatural, but I wouldn't have recognized it, I guess, either way. It was actually number eight on the charts back there for a little while. But I do think it's cool that this song actually also appeared on the soundtrack from The Fog, which starred Tom Welling and Maggie Grace. Tom Welling, of course, being... Clark Kent from Superman, Smallville fame, and Maggie Grace being on Lost and taken. But anyway, yeah, I thought it was kind of cool. Well, as of a couple of years back, the song had sold more than 2 million digital downloads in the U.S., which is pretty cool. Double platinum digital unit. And I, I mean, I know it's just in our age where you can purchase things on iTunes and Amazon free, or not for free, but for a relatively inexpensive price, eighty nine, ninety nine, sixty nine cents, depending on it may be on sale, $5 CDs on Amazon. Um, you'd also have to take into account how many times it was probably illegally downloaded, which could have been more than that, but definitely a popular, popular song back at the time of 
Supernatural's filming for this episode, which is kind of fun. Because usually, both of these songs were from 2005. Usually the songs are from the 70s and 80s, so that's interesting. All right, we're going to move on, on to our last official segment of the show, which would be our feedback section. All right. Supernatural cast feedback. All right, well, I'll start over on the Facebook wall. October the 12th. I don't know. I, I, I may have mentioned this last time. If I did, I'll share Crystal's thoughts again. So either way, I'm not sure, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway. Crystal over on Facebook said, I'm currently listening to your first episode. Thanks for it. And there's there aren't a lot of Supernatural podcasts, and I need my fix. You asked a question about the burn aspect of salt and burn. Here's my theory. Ghosts are bound to this world by something they have, have a cosmic connection to. A human soul wouldn't have a deeper connection with anyone or thing than its body. Another thought is in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible, when people offered something to God, they would burn it. Hmm, that's a good point. The burnt offerings. I hadn't thought about that. So thanks, Crystal, for checking us out over on Facebook. And leaving your comment, just like um, any of you out there listening could do the same. I do want to say, too, that um, thanks to Dwayne, who um, found us over on Facebook and said he was looking forward to the newer new episode coming out. So thanks for that, Dwayne. All right, well, we're going to take a look over at some email. It's my ringtone. All right, we have a message from Kim, and she says, Hey, Jimmy, I'm Kim from Nerdcast Podcast, which is, again, in 3 R-D-C, um, the at symbol S-T podcast. I know you've heard from my co-host Shannon. Thanks for the shout on your previous podcast. I'm currently listening to episode 1.4 and have to say that I really like what you're doing with the podcast. I love all the segments and the music you use. You mentioned the gag reels on the season's DVDs. They are the best. Um, these guys totally have the most fun on and off camera. During the folklore section, you were talking about demon possession. I, too, am a Christian, and I completely believe in the existence of demons. I've known a couple of people who say they believe that they have come in contact with someone who is possessed. Just thinking about that sends a chill up my spine. I fully enjoy the storyline on Supernatural, but I would not want to run anything like that in my life. P.S. Glad you weren't afraid to get into religious themes. Have you ever been to any of the conventions or any plans of going? Shannon, I would love to do that as a Nerdcast road trip. Anyways, um, thanks for a great podcast, Kim. And so thanks again for Kim for checking out the podcast, for um, mentioning us on your podcast. Definitely appreciate that. And I, too, agree that these guys actually really like they have a lot of fun um, making the show. And I really like the one episode, one of those meta episodes, where they're like, oh, Jared and Jensen are, ta- are talking. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. But anyway, um, yeah, I got, as far as I didn't really think about that kind of stuff last week, but I, I know people, too, who um, have gone overseas to do different mission work and have encountered demonic things, people in South America and Africa, um, people who say they've witnessed, you know, exorcism-type situations, um, and all sorts of crazy stuff. One in particular kind of freaks me out, and I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> so, so yeah, I won't. But... But yes, thanks again, Kim, for for sharing that. And then I do have one other email from Dan. We heard from um, a couple weeks back, and he has some some good things to say about the demons in the show and how they kind of interact with everything. So we're going to get into his email. And I actually have already mentioned a couple of things he he told me about as far as being uh, Toledo being Eric Kripke's hometown. So he definitely shares some great information here. So but I will say this is um, going to contain some spoilers. If you're not more familiar with what's going to happen later on in Supernatural, you probably want to go ahead and skip to the last part of the show. Anyway, where we can do our contact information and um, 
or even the Dean quote of the week because he does talk about some plot lines that do happen later on. And again, just spoiler warning, this will be our last um, part of the feedback section for right now. So, spoiler warning. All right, here we go. Dan says this. Greetings, your podcast continues to be informative and entertaining. However, I have to disagree with your contention that it is odd or unusual that the Winchesters would not have dealt with the demon before the Phantom Traveler episode. Looking at Kripke's overall five-season story arc, it isn't until the Winchesters become major players in the plans of Azazel, the yellow-eyed demon, and the apocalypse that they encounter demonic forces. At this point in the series, the demon is not a common creature, and it would not be unusual for the average hunter not to have encountered one, especially since John Winchester started cold and had to learn about the paranormal world from scratch. The foray into demonic world is progressive in season one the winchester learn about demons and discover the creature that killed their mother was the demon azazel season two they confront azazel and his plans to open the devil's gate in season three they have to deal with the hordes of demons that escape from the gate and supernatural demons typically work at a higher level than other ordinary creatures and they wouldn't necessarily draw the attention of the average hunter knowing how involved the winchesters get with demons it's interesting to see its beginnings in the phantom traveler but doesn't strike me as being abnormal and this is when he gets into his um, other thoughts about um this particular episode secondly as a native of toledo ohio i feel as though i should address the episode bloody mary though it is readily apparent that the locations bear no resemblance to the actual city the nod to toledo that eric kripke makes is appreciated and gratifying and to assign an episode a prominent figure such as bloody mary is no small favor there are of course several nods to toledo that appear throughout the series but it's especially interesting to see how prominent one um, put up front at the start of the first season Eric Kripke's Toledo roots were used to pitch the show that got me to watch the series, and it's pleasing to see him pay homage to his hometown. As Adrian Palacki, who plays Sam's girlfriend Jessica, is also from Toledo, it's rather fitting that in this episode, Sam finds some resolution to his guilt over her death. Bloody Mary, in many ways, was a pivotal episode, as it brings some closure to Jessica's death and reveals Sam's paranormal abilities. Carry on, Dan. And I like Dan's thoughts there about the demonic forces and how they're working on a different level. And we definitely see a progression in the Winchester's um, storyline and their development in that. Totally. I 100% agree with what he said. The only thing, as I was kind of thinking about this after I got his message, um, back in episode two in Wendigo, um, we have a conversation where Sam and Dean go and talk to the only survivor from an attack you know, several years ago when he was a small child. And his idea was there's something evil in the woods a demon the next conversation we see between sam and dean is in a hallway or dean's first um, words out of his mouth is i know all about demons that's no demon and then and then sam goes in his whole conversation about it's corporeal and so maybe that was playing in my mind how this was odd hearing that two episodes before that or sam and dean knew all about demons and then them knowing nothing about demons um, <laughs> I guess maybe that was part of the thing that threw me off, but I definitely could see how maybe they have had this idea of, you know, something different from what they actually encountered, you know, not a possession. Maybe they had the idea of the demons were out there, um, in another plane or another dimension, even, um, something we don't see something like that. Maybe they had some ideas and definitely the, the idea of a, a demon crash in an airplane was new, new territory for them. So, um, I do I appreciate Dan's thoughts. I think he has some good points. And so thanks for the feedback again. And I guess we're going to move on in 
to our last little part of the regular portion of the show before we close out the show with the Dean Quote of the Week. And that is pretty much where I tell you how you can get in contact with us. And you can do like Dan did um, or other listeners. And you can send us an email over at mail at supernaturalcast.com. That's mail at supernaturalcast.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can search for Supernatural Cast. We are also on Twitter. And I explain this every episode. Um, if you look for us, you can just search for Supernatural Cast. You should find us. But our actual Twitter handle, our name is Supernatural without Supernatural without the L cast. And so we are there. You can also call into the show. And that number can be found, if you forget it, you can go over to SupernaturalCast.com, our home on the web that has um, some information about our show, how you can subscribe to the show. But it also has our telephone number, which is 203-74-SUPER. That's 203-747-8737. And we're also over on Google+, and we've had quite a few people find us there. Um, I don't know if you're on Google+, but if you are, check us out. Put us in your circle. Well, I guess that's going to wrap this episode up. And as we like to do, as it was a suggestion from a listener a few episodes back, we're going to end the episode with our Dean quote of the week and then it's going to go into our outro music and we'll see you next time hopefully sooner for episode six skin all right well thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you next time peace it's time for the dean quote of the week hey sam yeah it's got to be like, what, 600 years of bad luck? Sweet.